when you're faced with adversity, do you flounder or fly? I'm Simon Ratcliffe, and on Turning the Tables, I share candid, powerful stories of people who have turned around adversity in their personal or business lives to find new purpose and meaning. In each episode, I will dig deep to uncover the mindsets that turn adversity into advantage. My first guest, Linda Hodgson, went from being dismissed as a mere typist in a man's world to running multi-million dollar global advertising accounts. Her story is an inspiration to anyone striving to overcome barriers in their career. And be sure to keep listening because at the end of the podcast, Linda shares with us her advice on how to work through and turn around difficult life challenges. Welcome to the first episode of Turning the Tables. Thank you for coming on the, the show, Linda. Thank you so much for inviting me, Simon. You've had a successful life where you've worked with some very big companies and you've obviously been trusted for your advice, but it hasn't always been that easy, has it? Tell us a bit about the barriers you faced. Well, you know, to start at the beginning, yes, there were lots of barriers because I started out in advertising in the 70s. I'd previously been working at the BBC and obviously I was a young girl. I hadn't been to university, so I didn't have a degree. You know, I was a good secretary. Deep inside me, I always had an ambition to achieve more in life. I, I didn't want to just be a secretary or just something. I have this drive in me. And so even at my interview, when I went to Benton & Bowles, which was the first advertising agency I worked in, I asked um, the lady interviewing me, uh, do secretaries ever become these account management people? I thought they sounded quite interesting and um, I got this uh, sort of look from the secretary and she said, well, um, well, it doesn't normally happen, but I suppose there's no reason why it can't. So I said, all right, then I'll come and give it a go. I joined initially as a secretary and I worked for a very difficult man who really wasn't at all interested in helping me to become an account manager he couldn't imagine why on earth I'd want to do that. I was his secretary. I just had to do what he wanted. And I had to be there all the time, you know, only have an hour for lunch. And if I was one minute over, well, he wouldn't like it. He'd write it in his diary. But I did have an ally, uh, as I was also working for a woman. She supported me. But in the era of the 1970s, when I was starting to push myself forward, I was working in an environment where mainly young women were really just, you know, PAs and just there to sort of be pleasing to the eye. But I continued to say that I would like to become an account manager. The more I got to understand what was involved, the more I felt it was something I could do. My female boss spoke to one of our board directors who was very open and, and he said, OK got me into his office one day and said, well, if you want to do this, um, you're going to have to prove to us that actually you are committed. You know, if we're going to put effort into you, you have to prove that you're committed. So that's what I did. I went to the London College of Communication in the evenings. I did um, the communication, advertising and marketing course. And I got a distinction and everyone in the agency was pleased that, you know, everyone that had supported me was pleased. There was still resistance at the senior management level, 
And the head of account management was saying, well, you know, we don't really let this happen. But I still had some support within the agency. Then I had a sort of breakthrough, really, because I had a job offer from another agency to be an account executive. And so I went back to the agency. I said, "Okay, so I've got this opportunity to go and do this at another agency. Are you going to support me? Are you going to let me do it here or shall I go and do it somewhere else? I, I don't quite know where I got all this strength from. Really, uh, if I think about it now, and I just wanted to do more with my life than be a secretary. I guess people growing up in that era might, might recognise those, those circumstances. So how did you get your breakthrough? So after that, I was put on the account management training programme alongside some of the graduates that they'd taken on. Um, they came from Oxford, Cambridge and other universities, and they were all men at the time. And I often felt quite fearful. Was I able to really do this? Was I good enough? You know, was I clever enough? I was alongside people that I felt were much smarter and brighter than me. But I carried on. It was still tough because when I was being evaluated over the three years that I worked as an an account executive at that agency, there was a comment that said, well, she's doing quite well for a secretary. I too had started in advertising in the late 70s as a graduate trainee. And I think I can vouch for it being something of a testosterone-filled environment, but full of bright and articulate people. Yes, largely men, but advertising was, I think, one of the industries starting to lead the charge to better gender equality. My feeling is that I had this determination to break down barriers, and it came from my childhood. And my childhood as well... You know, often if you have children talk about their childhood in the 50s, you know, it wasn't easy. My parents were quite poor. We lived in a tiny little flat in London, a little attic flat. We had three rooms, a tiny kitchen, and we shared toilet and bathroom with another family. My brother and I shared a tiny little bedroom until I was 13. And my little brother still slept in my parents' room. And he was um, still, it was about three when we moved. So it was quite hard. And I took on a lot of responsibility. I was the big sister. My mother suffered from depression, I now realise. But she wouldn't accept medical help. I I do remember one time when my dad tried to get her to go and see the doctor. Um, But I realise now with hindsight that this is what was happening for her because we were struggling in this tiny, tiny flat with little money to live on and there was little opportunity to be rehoused. So I grew up with a lot of stress and anxiety around me. Seeing how these circumstances can affect everyone's well-being, I think made me start to think and gave me this determination to live a different life. And and that's when that sort of feeling of this is not how I want my life to be um, sort of began to set in. Eventually, we were moved into a council house out of London and we were delighted. It was, at first, heaven. But we then suffered a lot of neighbour abuse. I remember one time there were some people coming up our garden path. They were threatening my mother. And I sort of went out and stood in front of them. I was a young teenager and I felt physically sick. You know, I was shaking. But I felt I had to step in to stop anything worse happening. So my role of protector of the family continued. I never felt comfortable outside you know we we 
never knew what would happen when you went outside the front door. And my mother's stress and depression meant I never felt comfortable in the home either. At this point, it struck me that for a young girl facing these kind of pressures, there was really only two ways it could go. A complete rebellious rejection of what life was serving up, or a catalyst to change her life. As Linda goes on to explain, it was the latter. So this also instilled this idea in me that it was down to me to make my life how I wanted it to be. You know, I, I couldn't depend on anyone else. I had to do it for myself. And if I was going to have children and a family in the future, I, did, I didn't want my children to live a life like I'd lived. So I, it was down to me. I was going to have to get out there and make something of myself. This is what drove me. So what was happening with your education with all this going on in the background? Did you find anything at school that gave you an outlet for this frustration? Although what I achieved at school wasn't great, you know. I was naughty because clearly I was living with all this stuff going on around me at home and I was sort of rebelling really at school. What I did do extremely well in was English literature and I was very good at Shakespeare, um, strangely, you know, particularly reading it aloud for the rest of the class. And, and my teacher would say, you know, it, it, I was helping everyone to really understand the language of Shakespeare. And then uh, the point came where I was chosen to, um, well, every year, school children from local Southwark area were chosen to read at Shakespeare's commemoration service. And I was chosen. This, uh, this wonderful teacher chose me to go and do that. And I always say, Shakespeare saved me. What a wonderful thought. Tell me a bit more about why, why you said that and, and how it saved you. Because the combination of suddenly discovering that there was something that I really was good at and I enjoyed doing was what really sort of helped. So when I was leaving school, I didn't want to follow the normal route. It was a girls' grammar school in the middle of London. Um, those were particularly bright, um, were going on to university and were thinking about maybe becoming a teacher. Or some of the others were thinking, you know, doing their secretarial courses and going to work for solicitors or, or, or going to be PAs in, in different type of companies. Um, but something in me, again, you know, I didn't want to do those sort of things. So what did you do? I can't imagine you gave up your dream. So I felt I had to go out and earn money to help my family. So that was my initial driver. I wanted to help my mum. I wanted to see her happy. So I was resilient but I was also challenging conventions and the need to be independent. It wasn't conscious, but it was what I was doing, what I was choosing to do. Linda started in advertising, as she explained, but it took a number of changes in direction for her to find the fulfilment she was looking for. Over the years in my working life, I changed direction a few times and each time I wanted a shift, I did meet barriers. Um, but in the end, I overcame them. Obviously, first of all, it was moving from being a secretary to an account manager. And when I moved to another agency, I was in a short space of time promoted to be an account director. Um, I sort of became a guiding light for other young women in the agency as well, who also wanted to make the shift. And they would come and talk to me about how I had made it happen. And um, one or two others did actually manage to do the same as I did, which was very um, heartening, really. But over time, I found the role of account director hard. There was something in me that didn't feel right. It was quite hard on my values, if you like. 
it was like being, I think, piggy in the middle is how I always describe it. As I went from client to creative, feeding back their thoughts on advertising ideas we were developing. If the creative team didn't agree, they would become quite intransigent. For anyone not familiar with advertising, an account director's role was to manage the client and agency relations. Clients could often be well-known businesses the like of Procter & Gamble or brands like Coca-Cola. It was a difficult and stressful time in the 80s. But the resilience I had learned in childhood kept me calm and steady. But this frustration led to another career shift. Um, At the time, um, we were seeing in in the business the rise of the strategic planner. And um, I had done a couple of projects um, with some of my planning team. And I realised that this is where my future lay. I felt I could be objective. I, I felt I didn't have to really sort of play this, this sort of piggy in the middle game. I worked with some great planners and it inspired me. But once again, there was resistance within the agency. No, it didn't happen. It's not what we're going to do. I was told planners had different skills, you know, and you needed to have known about qualitative research. I mean, it wasn't my background. So there you were, faced again with this challenge of being able to do the thing you really wanted to do. What got you through? What drove you to keep trying and to keep pushing? What got me through, I think it was determination. It was also positive thinking, you know, I can do this, and resilience, and a belief that there was no reason why I couldn't do it. Why not? The barriers that were being put up, I felt, were artificially created by people who lacked vision. That was my thinking. You certainly showed incredible resilience. What would you say was the mindset that you developed through all this to help you overcome those barriers that were put in your way and, of course, the difficulties of your childhood? So I suppose what I've done a lot is challenge the conventions. You know, I was there with my power shoulders in the 80s, powering my way through to be an account director. But many women, particularly women who had not been to university, were not doing that sort of thing. And I'd fought through many barriers to, to, to achieve that. I come from this working class background and nobody seemed to know that. I I didn't make a thing of it. I mean, it was okay. People thought I was from a public school. I was surprised when someone said that. I don't know why. I never projected that. You know, I never put out this idea that I was something other than what I was. Um, But somehow people just assumed it because of, you know, the role I was playing within the agency, I guess. They didn't even realise I didn't have a degree in the end. It didn't really matter. I think it gave me resilience. It gave me this idea that one can challenge the norm to break convention. And I'd seen a lot of people I had to deal with from all walks of life. I'd had to manage difficult people and situations from a very young age. Um, And that gave me a deeper understanding of people and the human psyche, I think. So having spent my childhood with a huge amount of negative experiences around people, you know, my mother had depression, the anger I saw within other people... Something in me decided that hating was not the way forward. It's not how I wanted to be. And so I wanted to work alongside people, to listen to them, to work collaboratively. All those things were important to me, to keep everything calm and to be supportive. I think um, partly from this idea that I didn't want to reject people. I think it would have been easy, given the sort of childhood experiences, to really maybe become quite hermit-like, really. But I wanted to work with them. 
wanted to work with kindness and in a collaborative way. Also, I was not afraid of responsibility. I'd grown up taking on a lot of responsibility. Somehow or other, through all of that, if you reflect on your career, you've had great success and you've achieved an enormous amount. So I'm just wondering if adversity was a gift for you. What was that gift? Yes, the adversity was a gift because I think it set me on a path to live a different life. Um, People do say, and I do believe, that you are shaped by your childhood. I think that when people are facing something, you know, like I was facing there can be a lot of underlying fear and one can either become very negative and angry um, or a part uh, or a part of you can choose to lift yourself up and I think again it depends on the individual as to how one deals with it but I decided that I was going to lift myself up out of that and I was going to make something different of my life which I did so yes without that adversity I may not have been the same person sometimes I look now my daughters and I think well I admire them immensely because they have the freedom to follow their heart and be what they want to be and do what they want to do and I feel that I didn't exactly have that because I had to create something else in order to enable them to be who they are today and that that you know that gives me great pleasure just sort of seeing them succeed just seeing them be who they want to be. So if you were to give people advice who are struggling with a challenge in their lives or some kind of adversity, what would your advice be? What have you learned that perhaps others can can benefit from? Yeah, so I think being able to step back, look at sort of what's happening around you, look at, you know, how everyone is behaving and sort of somehow elevate yourself above the fear, the conflict that might be going on around you, the barriers that are put in front of you. So be focused, determined. Think about being kind. You know, how can you lift yourself above these barriers, you know, without trampling over people? How can you leap over them, but do it with kindness, thoughtfulness? And and how can you move forward, therefore, in a positive way? without being sucked down into everyone else's anxieties and fears. You know, that exists particularly in business. You know, you're often surrounded by everyone else's anxieties and fears about decisions and choices. Yes, that's very powerful advice, Linda. Can you just elaborate on that uh, to help people understand a little bit more about the the way you approached it? Remember, everyone has anxieties and fears. So try to be the one who seems reassuring clear, positive, supportive, calm. Imagine yourself standing on a chair and watching what is happening below you. Then think about how you can help each and every person to not let themselves be limited by the barriers they put up for themselves and that they put up for others. Well, thank you, Linda, for sharing that very inspiring story of how you really broke through the glass ceiling to be successful in your career and not letting challenges overcome you. I'm sure our listeners will be grateful for the candid and open way in which you talked about your story. So thank you again. So what are the things we can draw from Linda's story? I think the first thing is that she demonstrated a tremendous resilience born out of those early struggles with her mother's condition, living in difficult circumstances without much money. 
And that, in a way, seems to have empowered her to create a character in herself that made her look at situations and try to understand how they were unfolding. But I think perhaps the biggest insight is that what Linda did was to challenge the idea she couldn't do something. She believed she could, and when things were put in her way along the journey, whether that was in the beginning about prejudice, about her as a woman, as a secretary in a business, she refused to accept those labels and fought her way up in her career very successfully. Well, I hope you enjoyed that first inaugural episode of Turning the Tables. Be sure to subscribe and listen out for the next episode when I'll be bringing you an interview with Derek Woodgate. Derek's story is fascinating. He talks about how he managed to reinvent himself throughout his life to overcome some very dramatic circumstances of his early childhood. I look forward to speaking to you on the next episode. Go safely.